Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Well, coming up, we are going to continue what I've been doing. Um, actually, this is the second one of these. Uh, that's going to be a summer-long process of getting a good look at what the different teams in the NFC that could give the Eagles the most trouble this year. We're going to get a check-in on each of these teams during the course of the offseason. A couple weeks ago, we talked with Rob Stats Guerrera about the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, today we're going to talk to Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit, the SB Nation Detroit Lions blog. And we're going to talk about what the Lions have done this offseason and get a check-in on uh, what the, what that team looks like and what the chan- what are the chances that they are going to be a true contender in the NFC this year. So we're going to do all that coming up here on this edition of Eye on the Enemy. But first, just want to remind you to check out BleedingGreenNation.com as we are continuing to take you through OTAs of the Eagles back on the field. It's great to see uh, these reports coming in from Brandon Lee Gowton and everybody else that uh, what uh, Jalen Hurts and the team is doing uh, on the practice field as well. We get ready for what we think is going to be a very exciting season in 2023. Lots of good nuggets from some of the write-ups at OTAs uh, that are taking place right now. So one should make sure to check that out. And you can go to our podcast uh, to our uh, uh, Twitter handle as well at bleeding green uh, to see all of the info and the updates and everything else that we are doing there so as we've been doing so far this offseason we're going to be taking a look at every team in the nfc that could be a contender to knock the eagles from atop the perch today we're going to talk to jeremy reisman from the sp nation blog pride of detroit to talk about the lions the ever improving lions the i think the chic pick for the NFC North and maybe for the conference as a whole outside of the Philadelphia Eagles. They are a team that is on the way up and they've had a very interesting offseason. Jeremy joining me now uh, to chat about where the team stands at this point in the offseason as teams are involved in OTAs and training camp is still about a couple months away. Jeremy, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm happy to be part of an NFC uh, contender discussion. I'm not I'm not used to this, so uh, I've, I've got to get a little comfortable in my seat here. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it really it's been a it's been quite a ride by the Detroit Lions. Last year was was eye opening. The last time we spoke was right before week one yep. when our two teams faced off. And obviously going into that game, I think most Eagles fans penciled that in as a very easy win based off of what we've seen from the Lions in, in previous years. And when that game was kind of a struggle especially it looked like the Eagles were going to pull away and then the Lions made it a game late the offense was just relentless in that one I know a lot of Eagles fans chalked it up to just kind of a weird week one anomaly but the the Lions got off to a slow start record wise but the offense was great the whole season and then uh, they started putting some wins on their belt and I really do believe that the season was two games longer they probably make the playoffs and then they're a very scary team in the postseason. So I imagine that Lions fans and everybody at the Pride of Detroit is very excited about where things are heading into the summer here uh, based off of really just barely missing the playoffs last season. Yeah, and honestly, uh, I don't I don't know if there's a better consolation prize uh, for Lions fans than knocking the Packers out of the playoffs in the final right, game of right. the season on national TV. That's that's about as good as a non-playoff season can be for Detroit Lions fans, especially like you said, they, they finished eight and two uh, on that stretch of the final 10 games. And so that really, really brought in a, a ton of optimism going into an offseason where they had a ton of offseason resources, both in free agency and the draft. So uh, yeah, it's been a pretty optimistic 
offseason for Detroit. And this was already a, a fan base that this is the time to be optimistic. And so uh, right. to, to kind of add on to like actual results and actual reasons to to feel yeah. optimistic, it's uh, it's been a unique uh, few couple months here. Weird that a, a team that didn't make the playoffs for all of all the teams that didn't make the playoffs. I think the Detroit Lions headed into the offseason feeling as good about themselves or better than about themselves than than anybody else. And um, talking about the draft, a few teams were as active during the NFL draft as the Lions. A ton of trades during the course of the three days. But obviously the trade that everybody remembers is the one that saw them trade out of number six. Uh, to to drop down to number 12 in the first round. And there were other picks that went uh, along with that. The the Lions sent number six and number 81 to the Cardinals for 12, 34, and 168. But there were a lot of trades during the course of those three days. But at pick number 12, you guys made a controversial selection by taking a running back in that spot, Jameer Gibbs, over getting some defensive help. And so let's start right there. Yeah. What was your take on that decision to go running back, at, to trade down, first of all, and then... <laughs> to use number 12 for a running back after you had already signed David Montgomery a few weeks before. Yeah. The, the trade down I thought made some sense because I think, I think a lot of people thought they were going to go Devin Witherspoon at six and, and he goes right before the lions do with a, a kind of surprise pick from the, the Seahawks. I, I don't know if a lot of people expected them to make that play, pick. So I think that was probably their top option there. So trading down to me made some sense. I know there was talk about Jalen Carter, um, but I never thought that there was going to be a personality match there in terms of what the culture they're trying to build here. And and it goes beyond some of the legal stuff. It, it, you know, there, there were just too many red flags there that I thought the Lions weren't going to take that risk there. So trading down to me made a lot of sense. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm pretty much always team down tra- team trade down. Cause I, I do kind of view the, the draft as, as a little bit more analytically based than maybe some general managers treat it, which leads me perfectly to the selection of Jameer Gibbs. <laughs> Uh, which is, I mean, I've, I've been pretty staunchly anti running back in the first round and most of the conversation obviously this year surrounded B. John Robinson. So, uh, the fact that the lions went with the second guy, uh, on most people's boards, I'm not sure if he would have been the second guy in the Lions board. In fact, there are some reports suggesting that they would have taken Jameer Gibbs at six if, uh, if they didn't find a trade partner down. Um, so it, it took a while to, to, to convince me of this pick. And obviously I'm, I'm not going to completely abandon my values here and say, Oh, well, it's actually, it was a great pick. No, it, it, it's controversial for a reason. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, there was a clear guy, a clear upgrade that they should have picked. You no know, Christian Gonzalez, maybe. Um, but at the same time, um, I, I, I guess I understand what they're doing with this pick. I understand, um, that they want a guy who can be a dual threat guy. I understand. I, and, and part of me does admire the fact that this was a top five offense last year and they wanted to upgrade. They, mm. to me, because that's how you do win in the NFL today. It's like you, you, you improve your offense. You, you continue to add weapons there and give your quarterback um, plenty of targets so that if injury comes, you know, you're, you're good. And, and Jared Goff is the kind of quarterback that does need a fair amount of supporting cast. He's not a guy who's going to lift an entire roster and, and carry him on the team. So Jameer Gibbs, you know, you, you can make the argument a little bit more than a running back, right? He's, he's going to be plenty involved in the passing game, he's going to be Dan Campbell's Alvin Kamara. Like uh, he's, he's made that connection himself. And obviously since he's coming from that saints coaching staff, I think that's what he sees in him. And if you get Alvin Kamara production, are people really going to be hammering down your door for, for making a horrible pick? Probably not, but there aren't a lot of Alvin Kamara's out there either. So, right. uh, you know, 
the bar is set very, very high, I think, at this point because of the, the positional value argument. This guy has to be a borderline pro bowler and pretty darn quickly in his career here because, like you, like you said, the, the expectations are already high here in Detroit. And to try to build off a top five offense last year, he's going to have to be a major part of, of making sure they, they at least stay at that level this year. So they they select Gibbs, they signed David Montgomery from the Bears, and then they they traded away DeAndre Swift to the Eagles. And of course, Eagles fans are anxious to see what Swift will give them. He ran all over them in that week one uh, win for the Eagles. But it seems as though the Lions wanted to swap Swift out for Montgomery. Can you explain what the Eagles can expect from Swift and, and why the Lions decided they wanted to make that switch? Yeah, let's start there first. And I, I do think the, the swap is really more Gibbs for Swift because I think Montgomery is more taking kind of the, the bruiser back role that Jamal Williams uh, took last year. Now he's playing with the Saints because I think there was like a little bit of a contractual dispute. The Lions wanted to bring Jamal Williams back, but they couldn't figure out an, a number. And so they get they get younger and I would say maybe a little bit better with David Montgomery. And I think that's part of the reason, too, why maybe they move on from Swift. He's entering a contract year. They want to get younger and, and less expensive at the position. Um you obviously have to pay uh, DeAndre Swift next year if, if if you want him to continue to be on the team. But uh, I, I don't think that was going to be the case. I think a lot of people in Detroit expected this to be Swift's last year in Detroit anyways. And really what it mostly comes down to is, is availability. Um, you guys saw him at his most optimal level, which is week one. Uh, he tends to wear down quite quickly. Uh, he tends to have lingering issues that take a long time to get back from. And, um, if you've ever had DeAndre Swift on your fantasy team, you've probably been screaming why he's not getting more touches. And it's because exactly that, that he can't handle more touches. He can't be a 20 touch guy a game because he will wear down too quickly. Um, and so it might not look like he's missed a lot of games, um, but they, they did very heavy management on his workload, basically the entire three years that he was here. Um, and so that was the most frustrating part. Um, I, I think there is a little bit to his game that isn't, as, as good as it could be too. I think he's, he's one of those backs that is a little bit more prone to, to kick things outside when there might be a crease up the middle. Mm. That said, he's still a really young guy. He's still a very explosive player. You guys saw it. You know how much of a weapon when he finds open space, he's, he's very, very hard to stop. And yeah. so that, that still has value. And you know, now he's in his hometown. Now he's in a new place with a new coaching staff with the, you know, maybe someone who can connect to him on a, on a better level. I, I think I, that's why I maintain, I think this was a very much win-win trade for everyone involved because I mean, trading a running back on his last year deal of his contract, you're not really going to get a fourth round pick very often for something like that. Um, so I, granted it's, you know, a couple of years down the line and, and you don't often get, you know, a, a running back still in the prime of his career as well. So I, I like it on both sides. I understand why the Lions did what they did. Um, I, I'm maybe not, thrilled with the fact that they decided to replace Swift with a first round draft pick. But uh, I, I understand why they wanted to upgrade. I understand why they want to continue to stay relatively cheap at that position uh, as well. So um, I, I get it. I'm not in love with it, but I get it. After taking Gibbs at 12, uh, the Lions went and got linebacker Jack Campbell at number 18. And kind of another move that I saw yeah. on draft night uh, got a mixed reaction. As you know, m- not many teams take a, a linebacker in the first round in that spot, especially with some other options available on the defensive line and in the secondary. And I know we're going to get to the secondary in a minute because the Lions have done a lot of their heavy lifting in free agency to try and fix that area of the team. But uh, what, what are you expecting from from Campbell here in 2023 and uh, the wisdom of that selection in that spot. 
Yeah, that that one might actually be a little bit harder for me to to justify at this point. I've I've been trying, I've been trying to figure out ways to to make this one make a little bit more sense. But um, you know, I the reasoning is they expect him to be his middle linebacker, the little middle linebacker for the next 10, 15 years. Like they they view him that highly, where he think they think like the way Kirk Ferentz said it is like they could have their Ray Lewis for the next 10, 15 years. Like that's that's how committed to the game is that. That's how committed to the game Jack Campbell is. That is how smart he is. Um, he he does have that kind of unique pairing of, of incredible size. You know, he's a 250 guy that runs like a guy that weighs 235. Um, but to me, there's still a lot to left to be desired of his game. He looked a little hesitant sometimes on film. Um, and, and again, you, you get into the off-ball linebacker debate whether that's worth a, a first round pick and you get to the fact that no other off-ball linebacker was taken I think until the third round in this year's draft so maybe you could have waited there and, and gotten someone just below Jack Campbell's level two rounds later um, but that you know they they need to they needed to improve their defense they needed a long-term piece there at linebacker beyond Alex Anzalone and and as fun of story as Malcolm Rodriguez was last year he's he's got limitations because of his his you know his lack of size um, so, you know, it's, it's a defensive piece. This team needs kind of those, you know, you look at what Brad Holmes has done so far and he's gotten these foundational pieces on offense. You got Panay Sewell, you got Amon Ross St. Brown. They haven't really had that on the defensive side of the ball. They're hoping Aiden Hutchinson becomes that guy. He had a pretty good rookie season. I don't want to take that away from him. Kirby Joseph is maybe uh, another guy like that. And now they have a guy in the middle that, that they hope is that, um, in Jack mm-hmm. Campbell. So, um, you, you I, I guess the idea is they, they now hope and think they, they have playmakers at all three levels, but um, at the same time, it's just you, you wonder if maybe a pass rusher, maybe a defensive tackle, uh, maybe a corner was, was still available there on the board that, that could give you a little bit long more long-term value at, at a position that, that really is a little bit more impactful in this, this you know, the NFL mm-hmm. as, a way, as it is today. Yeah, so we've talked about the two first-round picks. Which non-first-round pick do you expect to be contributors in, in 2023? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, the obvious answer here is Sam Laporta. Um, he, he steps in one Iowa tight end for another with, with TJ Hawkinson trade at, at the midway point last year. Um, they, they have real high hopes for this kid. I think he, um, if not week one, you know, end of the first month, I, I expect this guy to be getting a fair amount of a target share. Uh, if, you know, may, maybe only in name, not a starter, um, but he's a guy that um, is definitely going to be a big weapon, especially in those first, you know, pack of six games without Jamison Williams. He's going to be a guy that that Jared Goff looks to. Um, he, he developed a pretty strong relationship with TJ Hawkinson, so I think he's comfortable throwing to tight ends. Um, and so I, I think he's going to be a, a big part of, of what they do on offense. And really, I would say the only other one that, that is going to make an immediate impact in, in any sort of way is probably third-round pick Broderick Martin, a guy that a lot of people had pegged going late on day three. But the Lions have a need for someone who can be a rotational nose tackle. And and given that he has the size, given that he has, I think, like six or five or six years of college mm-hmm. football playing experience, um, granted at, at a significantly lower level, uh, I think there's an ex- expectation for him to play, you know, 20, 30% of snaps almost right away. Well, a lot of work was done in free agency on the defense. We know the offense is, is going to be pretty good this year. Or at least we we have that expectation. But the Lions went out and really fixed an area of need. Uh, well, I guess I'll ask you if they fixed this, this area of need, but they certainly addressed it. They went yeah. out and, of course, they poached C.J. Gardner-Johnson from the Eagles after Philadelphia essentially decided to move on early in free agency. 
Uh, they signed Cameron Sutton, a cornerback from the Steelers, to a three-year, $33 million deal. They also went and brought in Emmanuel Mosley, another cornerback from the 49ers, on a one-year deal. That's a, a kind of an oft-injured uh, corner, uh, oft-injured player, but is productive when healthy. So this was a big area of need. This was a, a huge problem for the Lions last year. So it's clear that they invested a lot of resources in trying to fix the secondary. How much better is it now than it was a year ago? I mean, on paper, a lot. Um, obviously, we have to wait and see if, if that actually translates to on the field. But yeah, I think expectations are, are much higher. They, they, I mean, Cameron Sutton was their priority. Like that was their, you know, 1201 phone call is, is to get Cameron Sutton into Detroit. It's a veteran guy, um, which is something they've been lacking in the secondary for a very long time. And it seems like they've just kind of been rolling around with, with 22, 23, 24 year old guys who just, you know, they, they, they didn't even have a, a veteran mentor to, to help them out unless you count, you know, defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn, a former NFL corner himself. Um, so he brings smarts. He brings, leadership um which which is a much needed thing and he's also a pretty darn talented corner you know maybe not a shutdown type but a solid number one corner and then i think emmanuel mosley is kind of like the the boomer bust pick of this free agency because he was really really coming along in in san francisco to the point where like you could maybe even see shutdown corner in his future and then obviously he tears his acl early in the in the season and so he's still working through that um we'll we'll see how ready he is by training camp he's not at all really ready at otas you can see him going through mental reps but um got a brace on still you know seems at least a month or two away so the question is whether he'll be ready to go to start if not they like a guy that they have in jerry jacobs um who's an undrafted guy a couple years ago who's had plenty of starting time since but um probably best as a backup, but capable, I would say as a CB two. And then CJ Gardner Johnson was never really part of the free agency plan. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think Brad Holmes was just like, Oh, we're at the end of week one and this guy isn't signed yet. Right. Let me make a phone call. Yeah. And, and you know, two or three days later, they, they, they had made that deal. And so, um, that wasn't, like I said, it, I don't think it was part of the plan, but it's something they'll absolutely take. He reunites with the aforementioned Aaron Glenn, who he played with, uh, played under, I should say in, in new Orleans. So he's probably going to play the nickel more, um, than he did in Philly, um, mm -hmm. rather than safety, because I think they like their safeties. Like I said, Kirby Joseph, a third round pick last year. Um, I think he had four or five interceptions last year, really coming along. And then they get Tracy Walker back who they lost early in the season last year to uh, a torn Achilles. He's already running around in OTAs, which is kind of uh, amazing. So on paper, again, like it looks like you've upgraded almost every position in that secondary. Obviously health is still very much a concern with Emmanuel Mosley and really with Tracy Walker too. I mean, coming off an Achilles yeah. is um, never, never easy as, as good as he looks right now. So, um, you know, yeah, Maybe they're still lacking top end talent. Maybe they are still lacking that that shutdown corner that let's say Darius Slay type. Um, but overall, it's it should be at least I think an average unit. That that's what expectations are. Again, uh, you have to wait to see how a a new secondary gels together too, and so that might take some time. So, what is the Lions' biggest weakness as things stand right now, as they're going through OTAs and with training camp a uh, little bit? a little bit down the road just yet. And there's still, you know, there's, there's going to be other players cut. There's going to be other players who become available, but so there's still time to improve, but based on the roster that you have now, what would you say is the biggest area of need? Yeah, I think, I think it's defensive tackle. Probably. Um, I think that was a, a target area of need going into the draft. And they, like I said, they, they wait until round three to get Broderick Martin, a small school guy who, who probably isn't going to play a, a ton right away. Um, 
Lee McNeil's a guy that I think they have very high hopes for. He's a, a third year guy, um, very twitchy guy that that took you know, it, this is very much a best shape of his life type of story. But shedded thirteen pounds of, of fat or thirty thirteen uh, percent of body fat this offseason. Uh, wants to be much more of a pass rusher. If he can take that next step, maybe they're going to be okay there. But other than that, they have kind of a, a bunch of you know. I don't, I don't want to say nobodies, but unknowns, you know, not nationally known guys, mm-hmm. a guy like Isaiah Bugs, And, um, you know, they're hoping they get Levi Onzerike, this a second round pick from 2021 back, who's had back back problems really since he's entered the league. Um, so, you know, considering this wasn't a team that was very good at stopping the run last year, um, that still remains a pretty good, big concern. Obviously getting Jack Campbell in the first round is something that they're, they're hoping is going to ha- help there. And then I would say there's, there's a little bit of question on, at wide receiver right now, um, you, you lose um, G- DJ Chark in the offseason. You're missing Jameson Williams for the six, first six weeks of the season. Um, you bring in Marvin Jones, which is a nice addition. You you add receiving threats in Jameer Gibbs and, and Sam Laporta. But specifically at the wide receiver position, it seems like maybe they're a little thin there. Is um, that why we're hearing DeAndre Hopkins rumors a little bit here it, and there? It's, it's why Lions fans really want him. I, <laughs> I, I, again, that's another one where I'm just like, I'm not sure the character fits what they're trying to build there. But like, yeah, that would be the Lions have a ton of cap space right now. And uh, it would certainly make for a, a fun first, uh, you know, six weeks before JMO gets here and then pair those two together and see what happens too. That would that would be fun and interesting. Um, and, and because like the Lions are in this conversation that we're having now, we can no longer just like dismiss. Oh, like DeAndre Hopkins would never come here. Detroit's not a contender. Well, Detroit's they not going to become a contender. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe it still probably takes co- some convincing because there's not exactly a proof of concept here. Going eight and two in the final ten games is is something, but it's not like this team is coming off of you know back to back NFC champion championship appearances or anything like that. Um, so it you know it 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 makes a lot of sense in terms of um, need it, in in terms of the Lions. Um, being a an okay destination and having the the cap space, but again, you know there there are rumors about Hopkins. You know he's not a, a great practicer. He he can't fight through adversity, which are you know two two tent poles of things you have to be able to do under Dan Campbell. You have to be able to fight through adversity. This team has started, you know, they started one and six last year. They started o ten and one the year before, and then they you know won more games than they lost in the second half of both those seasons. So. Um, you know, it, I, I, it, it makes me wonder, and, and I, I just like kind of with Jalen Carter, it was like, man, I wish this were I, like, I hope he passes their personality test because extremely talented players that would help a ton. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, though, I, I would imagine both are probably not going to pass that personality test. And so uh, life goes on without him, I guess. Real quick, looking at quarterback, I think the emergence of Jared Goff last year was was surprising to everyone. But when you've got a lot of talented players, sometimes that's enough to, to kind of really help you out as a quarterback and, and make you perform better than you had in previous seasons. But looking at Jared Goff and looking at kind of a, a weakened slate of NFC quarterbacks, where would you rank him among NFC quarterbacks? Have you guys had that discussion at all, like trying to figure out where where he fits in among a... a after Jalen Hurts, I think is pretty is, is an obvious answer. But where does he slide in? I I think I have him at number two number at, at right now because I'm I, I see a lot of weaknesses and these other guys that I, I think Jared Goff last year showed he's he he might be uh, you know coming back for real here. Yeah, it, it the the Jared Goff discourse in Detroit is uh, as as it is in a lot of towns in which there's always like a not clear quarterback 
uh, future, I guess, uh, is, is kind of out of control. Um, because that first year was so bad, the second year was pretty darn good because he's made a Super Bowl, but because he was also traded away for two first round picks and uh, with two first round picks for Matthew Stafford, uh, it, it makes he's just like an enigma right now. Um, and so I, I, I don't think I would put him second in the NFC, but there are also not a lot of great NFC quarterbacks right now. And so it is kind of puzzling um, with him. It's it's he has to like I said, he, he's not the kind of quarterback that can really lift an entire room but he's also a quarterback that if you get him a room around him you get him a good offensive line which the Lions certainly have you get him a couple weapons which the Lions had towards last year you get Amon Ra Jamison comes on Sam Laporta Jameer Gibbs even a guy like Josh Reynolds who's comfortable with like okay well now you're starting to put him with some serious talent and he was great last year like maybe great might be a slight overstatement but I don't know how much more you could have expected out of him. You know, 29 yeah. touchdowns, seven interceptions. I believe he didn't throw a, an interception in his final nine or 10 games. Um, it's, it, it's interesting. And it, it's hard to know where the Lions go from here. This, I mean, the Lions themselves have supported this guy since he stepped in the door. And I think the one thing you can certainly give the guy credit for is he's weathered adversity his entire career. Mm-hmm. Getting traded no. like yeah. it, like he was in, in LA had to be humiliating. Going you know, three 13 and one in his first season in Detroit had to be hard going from, from such a storied franchise to such a uh, frustrated one. And, and, you know, I'm sure fans and I know fans were very much down on him going into this season and he fought through it all. He, he he's very involved in the offense now. And, and that's maybe something that I don't think people give him enough credit for is he is, he's part of the engine here. He's part of the, like, the offensive coordinator here, Ben Johnson, has gotten a, a lot of praise, and rightfully so, but Jared Goff has been very much a collaborator in what they do. And so, um, you know, he's definitely in that, like, top three, four discussion in the NFC, I think. Um, I, I kind of put him a little bit on the same level as Kirk Cousins, which I'm sure if any Lions fans are listening, they're, they're going to hate me for saying that. Um, but, yeah, like, I mean, is Matthew Stafford, a better quarterback than Jared Goff right now. I, I don't know. I mean, we have to see a healthy, healthy Matthew Stafford. Um, so it, it, it's a really a tough conversation to have. I still think um, the Lions would be wise to like keep their options open long term. Jared Goff is under contract for this year and next year. They they did draft Hendon Hooker in the third round, and and it's still kind of unclear whether that's a a long term backup or if that's a guy who could eventually challenge for the starting job. So. Um, there's been rumblings of, of starting a conversation for a, an extension. I'm hoping the Lions at least wait one year on that conversation and just see how he does now with uh, a slightly revamped uh, room in terms of the offensive weapons and now with really big expectations on the team's shoulders. So how does he respond to that? How um, how does the team look? How does he look? Um, has he grown at all? Um, all those questions I, I kind of need answered before I push him into top two in the NFC uh, discussion, I guess. All right, that's fair. I think he's better than Kirk Cousins and um, and um, who's the other quarterback you said? I'm just blanking oh, on Matthew it now. Stafford. Matthew Stafford. I think he's better than both those guys right now. But again, you're right. We have to see what we have to see here in yeah. 2023. Last thing for you. So as of right now, looking at the rosters, where do you stack the Lions in the NFC hierarchy? Um, probably four, I would say, uh, in, in no particular order. So don't get mad at me, Eagles fans. Uh, 49ers, Eagles, Cowboys are probably my top three. And then I have the Lions right behind them. I, I do think they're clear NFC North favorites. Um, Packers might be the, the closest team to them because I, I think they kept most of their defensive roster 
uh, intact. Uh, their offensive line is good. Their run game is good. Obviously, the Jordan Love thing is, is still very much the last piece of the puzzle, and, and who knows where that one's going to go. Um, but yeah, I think I think this team is going to be better defensively. I mean, and, and even if you just look at how they played in those final 10 games, you know, I, I love looking at DVOA. It's one of my favorite statistics out there. And they were a top three team in the final mm-hmm. two months of the season. And yeah. that, you know, even their defense, which, you know, you look at all the kind of bulk stats at the end of the year, they're, you know, 31st in, in points allowed or 30, I think 32nd in, in yards allowed and, and something like 28th in points allowed. But their DVOA was 19th in those final 10 games. So they had already made a massive improvement. You you consider that all the defensive talent that they added last year that, that could potentially take a year to jump, not to mention Jack Campbell, not to mention um, some of the other guys, the, the completely revamped secondary. I think the expectations for the defense is now top half of the league. And if the offense can stay top five of the league, that is a, that, I mean, that's just a, a chemistry for a, a potential contender. And uh, you, you can hear me kind of tremble over those words because I'm not used to saying them, but like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it, they really seem set up, uh, you know, to, to really be one of those teams that, that can be, you know, a Super Bowl contender. And yeah. it's, it's, Weird to it's, say, isn't it? It's extremely weird to say. <laughs> and I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I'm I, I'm really trying to take an objective look at this team and say, okay, what what am I overlooking? What am I just only looking at, you know, the the positive potential outcomes? And, you know, there there are some things. Like I said, the, the wide receiver depth is is certainly in question. So if an injury hits there, um, they could be in trouble there. If the secondary, all those changes that they make if they don't gel together well then you know that's maybe not necessarily as big of an addition as as we think but to me it's just the overall way they finished last year which was as a top five team that's how well they were playing plus all of the offseason resources even if it wasn't how I would have spent those offseason resources I can recognize that Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell are better than the guys that they're replacing and so they are improving there um overall the roster is better it's better than they were last year and I would say significantly so and so as long as they can kind of pick up where they they left off and that is an assumption that is not you know you, you don't start week one like you finished week 18 that's just not how it works but if they can get back to where they were in a hurry I expect this team to win double digit games and, and maybe maybe on the higher end of that now not like 16 yeah. 17 but like no well 12 games is not out of it's, question for this Lions team, I don't think. It's absolutely not. They play in a division that they should be able to dominate, and you can get some cheap, easy wins that way. And um, it certainly is. Uh, you're not a homer if you're if you're thinking that, because I think the rest of the league is is kind of looking at the Lions like that this year too. Um, we'll have to see how it all shakes out, but certainly. Very exciting times for Detroit Lions fans heading into 2023. And as Eagles fans, we need to be keeping an eye on this team. So make sure you're checking out Pride of Detroit, the SB Nation Lions blog, and read everything that Jeremy Reisman is doing for them there. Jeremy, thank you so much for coming back on Eye on the Enemy, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate you having me, John. And that'll do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Don't forget to check out all of our other podcasts we have for you here at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed as well. Leave a five-star rating for us and a review. We'd love to hear what you have to say about Eye on the Enemy, anything you'd like us to discuss, folks you'd like to have us have on, people you'd like to talk, you'd like for me to talk to, I would be happy to take any suggestions or just get your general thoughts on the state of the NFC as we go throughout the offseason. If you leave me a, a comment on how you see the, the conference shaking up this year, I'll read it on the show. So again, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and uh, a review or a comment right there. And just hashtag it, Eye on the Enemy. 
Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'll talk to you next time right here on Eye on the Enemy. G-N.